Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Welcome back, podcast listeners. I am so excited to be with you. My name is Andrew, and with me today is, of course, Dr. Tim Elmore. How are you today, Tim? Very well. And you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Today's conversation is an exciting one. Yeah. And very personally exciting, I think, for you. I'm I'm reading into the situation here, but it's yeah. not hard to read into it because um, just a little bit ago, uh, early in September, we had a celebration, and that celebration was celebrating 20 years of growing leaders. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was spring and fall uh, of 20, 2003. Wow. How old were you in 2003? Um, in the fall of 2003, that was the year that I started freshman year of high school. Oh, so I would have okay. been. 14. You would have been uh, a candidate for growing. Exactly. You were yeah. trying to grow me back That's then. That's right. That's right. You gave up on that long time ago. And <laughs> <laughs> said, oh, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a grand celebration. So we are in Atlanta, listeners, and we had a kind of a ballroom full of people who were donors and friends yeah. and past staff members who'd moved away but came back and just celebrated together all the kids that we've uh, been a part of impacting the schools are the heroes yeah. and the sports teams and so forth. But we were so thrilled. We had so much fun celebrating 20 years of developing young leaders. And then we started looking ahead to the next 20 years. Yeah, that's uh, what I love so much about that night. It wasn't just a reflection. Yeah. It was also vision casting. Yeah. And here's what we're going to do and all of that. That was exciting. And I'm looking forward to the next 20. I'll be in a wheelchair in 20 years. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, we'll be turning it over to you. Andy. Anybody so. who knows you is, would imagine that would be very difficult to to understand. I think you'll be climbing mountains in 20 <laughs> years is where I said. We shall see. Well, today we're talking about what was that original mission, what really inspired that. And it not only inspired you to start Growing Leaders 20 years ago, it also inspired a new resource we're going to yeah. talk about today that I'm really excited about. But what better way to talk about why we care so much about Growing Leaders than to share a story of yeah. one of those amazing young leaders. So I thought that might be a great way for I us to start off. I would love to. Let me first give it context. Isn't it true, listeners, that very often when we hear stories of kids, it's on the 6 o'clock news, and it's a negative story. Yeah, Mental health issues, crimes yeah. that were committed, cars stolen, yeah. that 18-year-old, that 16-year-old or whatever. And I'm just thinking, you and I get to hear stories and be a part of stories all the time. That are completely positive. Yeah. So I want to tell one here, and then folks, if you want more, we got more for you. <laughs> so when Kenton was a college student, this was a number of years ago, uh, he visited East Africa uh, and spent time in Kenya working with younger children. One day, Kenton had a light bulb moment. As he walked uh, next to a young girl, he noticed her shoes were way too small for her feet. Mm. And then, of course, he saw kids with no shoes on yeah. their feet. Um, this girl had to cut open the front part of her shoes in order to let her toe stick out because she'd clearly grown older and had not gotten a new pair of shoes. Yeah. So in this moment, Kenton got an inspiration. What if someone could create a shoe that lasted for years and expanded as the person grows? What an idea. I know. I would not have thought of that. So that was when he began to work on, and this is what he calls the shoe that grows, quote unquote, the shoe that grows. You can look it up, folks. It's kind of cool. So this was part of a six-year process for Kenton. So he started as a student and ended up, he's no longer a student, with lots of up and ups and downs, lots of successes and failures. It was not a smooth path to success. Yeah. In fact, his journey required lots of patience and, of course, resolve and, and ingenuity. 
Uh, he tried to give the idea away to a major shoe company, but no one was interested or wanted to help. They you know, wanted to monetize and create revenue, and that's, yeah. that's my goal. And while he wanted to pay for this, he wasn't in it to make money. He was in it to serve. So instead of giving up, Kenton decided to work on the invention himself. He tried to create a shoe by himself in his garage, but he didn't do a really good job. Probably, <laughs> probably about as good as I would have done. Maybe. Yeah. Creating something new took a lot of patience and determination. So finally, he got some help from a small shoe design company. These people helped Kenton's idea become a reality. It took a year, but they created a prototype that he was able to try out on kids who needed shoes. Um, he and his friends tested 100 pairs of shoes in four different schools in Kenya. So we went right back to the place where he saw the problem. How cool. To try to solve the problem. Uh, when the experiment worked, he then worked with a factory to make their first batch of 3,000 pairs of these shoes that grow as the kids grow. First, first of all, I'm not even done yet. I love this kid, and I, I know, love the story. I know. And I'm thinking, I would not have thought of that. Yeah. I would say, well, may I can raise money for another pair of shoes when you're 12, another yeah. pair when you're 15, another pair when you're 18. Yeah, but it's not just the idea. It's also the follow-through, right? Yeah. How many kids could come up with an idea? How many yeah. of them took six years and actually did the thing? Yeah. So, so this so happens cool. today, Yes. Yeah. Next time you get down on kids, remember Kenton. And, and I got it. We got a bunch of others. <laughs> yes. So let me talk about how the shoe works. It's kind of intriguing. So the shoe Kenton designed is made of leather, rubber, and Velcro straps. So you can see how each one of those is useful in a growing shoe. It's designed to adjust as your foot gets bigger. In fact, the shoe adjusts in three different places, the width, the length, and at the top. And it can grow up to five sizes before you need a new pair. Amazing. So that can stay with you for years. The bottom just unfolds as you need it to, and suddenly you have a shoe that perfectly fits your foot. It grows when you grow. Now, it's a game changer for poor kids who often have to walk barefoot when they outgrow their shoes and suffer from soil-transmitted diseases. You can imagine yeah. that happens. Um, believe it or not, 1.5 billion people in the world suffer from soil-based diseases and parasites that can make them sick and even kill them. That's wild. It is. So one and a half billion. And when they catch the disease, they miss school, leaving them without an education, unable to help their family. There's a, there's a domino effect that's not good at yeah. all. So it's not just solving one problem, it's solving a dozen problems. That's right, when you get this shoe that grows. So Kenton started a nonprofit organization called Because International, uh, and he and his team now creates different products, not just the shoes, that serve people, alleviate poverty, keep ki uh, kids staying in school, uh, and staying healthy and offering jobs to people who want to help create these products. So kids and adults are now helping because they're working. They've Amazing. got a job. Amazing. They've now given away, Andrew, over 350,000 pairs of shoes to kids in 100 countries around the world. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you have not ever heard of these shoes, listeners, you should go look them up. They're quite a remarkable invention with straps and all kinds yeah. of things going on. You really got to take a look at them because we are so encouraged when we hear stories of kids just like yeah, this. It's true. Yeah. Well, we read stories all the time and we experience them too because we're out with kids at schools and teachers at schools that tell us stories. So again, at the end, Andrew and I are going to tell you about a resource that you can get a collection of these just to inspire the kids around you. But um, I read stories like these all the time. I'm blown away by the ingenuity of these students and what they're actually capable of doing. They don't yeah. just think up a, 
solution. They actually perform a solution. And perhaps never uh, more today than at any point in history are kids not just coming up with ideas but taking action on them. It's true. Yep. So let me talk, if you don't mind, about why I've given my life, not just 20 years or not just 10 years or whatever. It's in times like these that I'm reminded of, of, of why I do what I do. Um, I'm all about developing the next generation. And Andrew, you are too. Yeah. Specifically, it's about equipping students to think and act like life-giving leaders. Can I say that again? Please do. It's all about helping students think and act like life-giving leaders, regardless of the title or position they may or may not have. I'm seeing today's students step up and answer the call to lead during and after this global pandemic. Uh, Think about it. College nursing majors stepped in before they earned their degree to serve in hospitals because help was needed during the quarantine. Yep. Uh, Liam, a junior at Yale University, took a meal to an 85-year-old woman, and it became a small movement. In fact, it helped him with his mental health issue and helped her get her food. Yeah. And not just her. He recruited 1,200 volunteers to take food to shut-ins and to give them a virtual hug. I'm telling you, this is happening, and we need to know about it. Yeah. It's just so cool. Yeah. So Generation Z has already displayed a rise in activism and entrepreneurship. Andrew, we've said this before on this podcast, but 70% of high school students in America, public high school students, want to be an entrepreneur. Wow. I want to start something, not just join something. It's yeah. just what a time we're yeah. living in. So the drive has skyrocketed. Hard times often cultivate a strong generation. We've yeah. said that a million times. Yeah. This is our chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we take this chance seriously, yeah. it can have a ma- massive impact because the kids are ready. The yeah. question is, are their leaders ready to yeah, lead them well? That's true. Well, I know you're going to give us our, your ideas why you feel like now is the perfect time to develop the next generation of kids. Before we get there, though, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive into that. Hey, podcast listeners, Andrew here. It seems like we hear a lot of bad news being reported about kids today. Everywhere we turn, a story about a problem or a crisis seems to pop up. It can get a little discouraging, especially for adults who want to develop their kids into leaders who have a positive outlook and a problem-solving demeanor. That's why I am so excited to talk to you about a brand new book by Tim Elmore called I Can't Wait, 52 Stories of Kids Who Change Their World That You Can Read Together. As the title suggests, this book is chocked full of stories that are all about the good news surrounding kids today. They're all stories of young people under the age of 25 who did something unusual and even remarkable to make their world a better place. These kids knew they didn't need to be an adult to start changing their world. You might even say their mantra was, I can't wait. This book is designed for kids and adults to read together, whether at home, around the dinner table, or at bedtime, or a teacher in a classroom casting vision for their students. We believe these 52 stories, one a week for a whole year, could become a powerful way to showcase the potential inside of every kid. I Can't Wait is available for pre-order now and releases on November 16th. To pre-order your copy today, simply go to ICan'tWaitBook.com. 
All right, Tim, we're back. We've been talking about the amazing opportunity in front of us because of the remarkableness of kids today. Often kids get a bad rap, but we know they have so much more potential than that. Um, I want you to dive into what is it that you see as you look at today's kids yeah. uh, that's making you kind of have more hope maybe than ever about the yeah. impact they can have on the world. As you and I interview adults, in fact, remember in 2018, we actually did that survey where we felt like the number one emotion adults feel about Gen Z is negative. I'm yeah. concerned. I'm scared. I don't know. Yeah. Are they going to be ready? I don't think so. And it was disheartening. It was. So um, I bet you've seen this before. Often students become interested in solving a problem. Later, they identify as an activist. They're not trying to lead anybody. They just want to do yep. something. They get up off their bottom and do something. But then eventually they influence others and become a leader. Yep. It's kind of cool. It is. But it begins with a negative emotion. Yep. I'm mad at this injustice, maybe. Yep. There's, I don't know, no Coke machine in the dining hall or whatever, <laughs> yes, yes. or something bigger. Yeah, like we like kids don't have shoes, That's right, right yeah. exactly. That's right. But they want to right a wrong, and soon it becomes much bigger than merely acting as an individual. It becomes about influencing others. Yep. So thanks to social media, one act of kindness or service can multiply. Yep. So why do students identify as activists and become leaders? Well, I think there's six big reasons, and these happen to be the reasons I've given my life in this particular day to develop young leaders. Awesome. Let's yeah. dive in. Okay. Reason number one. This one may be common sense, listeners, but I want you to think about it. One reason I've given my life to build young leaders is youth are developmentally ideal. Yeah. Kids ages, four, uh, let's say 14 to 24, are mature enough to spot social injustices and energetic enough to act. I mean, they are just have just enough ideals to go, we can change the world by noon on Friday, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so during this period, people are in an ideal stage to test boundaries. Don't your teenagers do that? To question what they've assumed or what you've assumed and try new solutions. Um, everything inside of them nudges them to do so. Now, they may not be strategic, but they occupy an ideal spot to push for change. And this is why many movements in history had young people at the helm. And honestly, by that time, by the time I reached, I don't know, 60 years old, I could see the problems more clearly than ever, but I was too tired to act on what I saw. <laughs> I'm 34. I feel too tired, so I'm with you, my friend. <laughs> Go get them, kiddos. I'll pray for you. You know, that's about as good as it gets. So just think about it. We're, we're being goofy here, but yeah. youth are I developmentally ideal. There's a truth here, a deep truth. I worked for John Maxwell for many years, and John has been spectacular at leading adult leaders, you know, corporate leaders, develop, you know, that. But I kept thinking, if we do it with kids, they're developmentally ideal. They're younger. They're wet cement. Yeah. And they got a long life ahead. You build somebody at 58, it's not a long life ahead. So this just, it's just good. Okay. I love that. That's number one. Reason number two, youth are neurologically perfect. Mm. Now let's talk about the brain for a minute. We have known for years that the adolescent brain is not fully formed. But let me tell you why that's good news, okay? The portion that calculates the rewards for risk develops faster than the prefrontal cortex, which calculates the consequences for those risks. Now, you can see a train wreck coming here, <laughs> but, but there's also good. Yes, that's okay? true. Yep. At first, neuroscientists concluded this merely produces risky behavior. For example, uh, a male teen dives off a cliff with a skateboard because his friends are watching. This would be awesome. Yep. Post it, would you? You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed this. I am. Um, however, the data shows that much of what looks like adolescent impulsivity 
is actually behavior that's guided by the desire to learn about the world. Yeah. I learn about gravity when I take that skateboard. Never off. more do I understand <laughs> gravity than as I'm falling into water. Yeah. So we now know that a teen brain is curious and attempts new ventures more rapidly than older adults do. Yeah. So if we can steer them into constructive, redemptive acts of risk, yeah. it could be huge. Yeah. You're not going to do it, Bob, at 62, <laughs> but... but but Josh might, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Kids today can access their curiosity muscle faster yes, than adults that's right. can. Yeah. So true. Yeah. yeah. All right. Reason number three. Youth are biographically available. That they are. Now, let me just say. Yeah, you know exactly what I mean. Yeah. They're not yet encumbered by responsibility. Now, they got some, but think with me. Yeah. They're not yet encumbered by the responsibilities of family and finances, mortgage payments that otherwise would, would tie them down. Isn't that why it's easier to move to another city or do this or that? Absolutely. Because, hey, I got no uh, spouse. Everything I own fits in three bags or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, you know, we, we make a commitment to youth camp. I give my all. That's because your all is two bags of uh, whatever, you know. So um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I digress. So when I was in college, I made some bold moves. Yeah. Attempted to reach a few audacious goals that I'd, I wanted to reach a whole city of kids, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But um, – but it's because I was single and I had no mortgage payment. Um, uh, and once I was married, I got I to gotta care for her, and I should. Yeah. And she cares for me, but I'm saying, oh, a little less yes, able to do that. the tug of additional responsibilities That's right. is a distraction That's toward right. whatever you would have gone for. And then once I mar- was married with children, I was responsible for even, even more human beings. So yeah. I'm more careful, more cautious. So in short, the recipe for boldness is often young, single, and idealistic. Yeah. It's the perfect time in their story to get started. Absolutely. I love that. All right. Number four. The fourth reason I've given my life to young leaders is this. Youth are informationally prepared. Mm. Youth today are informationally prepared. Not in every day, but think about it. In school, they learn about societal issues and want to respond beyond taking a course. One of the challenges of students today is that they're overexposed to information earlier than they're ready and often underexposed to firsthand experiences later than they're ready. We've actually called it artificial maturity. Yeah. They look like they're mature. It's because they know a lot, but they haven't done it. But listen, much in a teen's life today is artificial. Think about it. Let's get real. Exams, that's artificial. Yeah, it's not, it's not real life. knowledge. That's yeah, right. it's not yeah. real life. Uh, I circled a letter on the test exactly. or, or did a math equation. Video games, fun, but artificial. Sports, fun, but and closer to real life, but yep. it's still a game. Still artificial. That's right. Netflix, yeah. artificial. James Bond's cool. I like to act like James Bond, but he's a fictitious figure. Virtual reality, it literally is the word virtual yeah. reality. Yeah. So I believe kids long for genuine high-stakes pursuits, and I'm afraid that adults don't give them those high stakes. We give them low stakes. Yeah. And I think they're capable of more. Andrew, I've said this before, but it's been years. When you look at kids 100 years ago, four-year-olds were doing age-appropriate chores around the house. Yeah. You know, seven-year-olds were actually starting to help to work on the farm. 11-year-olds leading that task on the farm. Yeah. 14-year-olds were driving cars. Scares me, but they were, <laughs> you know. 19-year-olds were getting married. 17-year-olds were joining the Army in World War One. you know. Yeah. And then 19-year-olds getting married. Now, am I arguing we need to get married at 19? No, I don't think that's a good idea today. But <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That tells me it's in them to be so much more than people that get lost on Instagram. Yes. You know? 
Yes. So um, we can we can do this, and I think we need to let kids respond to real stuff in their life. And that's the re- acknowledgement they already have the information they need. Let's give them the challenge they that's need. That's exactly the, you said it better than I. All right, two more. Number five, the fifth reason I've given myself to developing young leaders: youth are intellectually unfettered. Now, this is the second cousin to the previous ones, but they're intellectually unfettered. Think about it. Kids are not bound by established paradigms that limit older, more experienced adults. You know, I have found around growing leaders, because I'm the founder, I'm the historian on the, on the, <laughs> on the staff. And, well, I remember what we did back in 2010. And you're going, we don't care what you did in 2010. No, you don't say that because you're I would never but, say that. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm the historian. They're the futurist. Yeah. Right? They're mm-hmm. the ones that are looking ahead. So they're not bound by established norms or paradigms that limit older, more experienced people. As we age, let's be honest, our library of mental paradigms is kind of set, often in concrete. Our neural pathways no longer enjoy the plasticity of our younger years. Uh, We formed our views of the world and how it works. We frequently become more jaded and cynical kids today. How many times have we said kids today? And we often flat flat out just get stuck. And we say things like, well, we tried that before and it didn't work. Well, teens, they're not saying that. Teens are not bound by our paradigms. And they can solve problems by seeing possibilities that adults no longer see. I actually have watched that happen. Kenton is a good example. He is. And if we're going to say we're a leader of the next generation, we have to know that this is true. That's right. All right. Last reason, number six. Youth are dispositionally hopeful. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't even know if that's an adverb. Or, or an adjective. I'm going to allow it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. It's just like a game show. I'm going to allow that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so youth are dispositionally. That's all I do in my off time, folks. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. All right. So think about this dispositionally hopeful. I mentioned this already, but when we're young, idealism and optimism begin to peak. Kids believe they can actually create change. Studies show optimism reaches its peak in our younger years and begins to decline over time as we age. Isn't that sad? It is. Oh but it's gosh. real. It's real. Yeah. So you know what? This kind of scares me because I'm thinking, and this is not a political statement about, or that's partisan, but there are older people in Washington, D.C., in Congress, and in, in the White House. God love them. They're, I respect them, but they're 80, 78 yeah. years old. I'm telling you, we need a 48-year-old or a 52-year-old. Yeah. But we're going to have to turn it over to the next generation. Yeah. So let me keep moving on. Um, this idealism that exists in our younger years probably explains why young children still believe in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. <laughs> yeah. But it also explains why kids ask questions about why certain social injustices exist or why organizations endure dysfunction. They're pointing the finger and saying, King, you have no clothes on. Or yeah. Emperor, you have no clothes on. Yeah. Oh, shut up. Don't say anything. Yeah. That's what we're saying. We say, okay. oh, it, that's just the way it is. And they yeah. go, why? Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. So the teenage disposition, while it can be apathetic, I understand, um, can also be empathetic and passionate when developed well by parents and teachers and coaches and employers. Mm. So um, it's, just, it's just cool, I think. So consider this lesson from history. Tough times. I want you to see this circle in your head, listeners. So picture a circle that's going to rope around, okay? Tough times which I think we're in right now, yeah. frequently cultivate a strong generation. Yeah. I mean, just examine the kids who grew up during the Great Depression and fought in World War II. Yeah. Strong generations frequently c- cultivate good times. Yeah. 
Good times, unfortunately, often cultivate weak generations who in turn lead to tough times. So you can see tough times, strong generation, strong generation, good times, good times, weak generation. Oh, whoops, back yeah. to weak. But I'm just saying, okay, let's take advantage of this. Yeah. If indeed post-pandemic we're in kind of tough times still, yeah. economically, emotionally, socially, yeah. and we are, yeah. let's take it. Let's make this a weight room, a fitness center, socially, emotionally, academically, yep. in every way. And idealistically, kids, this is your chance. The world is full of problems. We admit it. Yep. Let's go solve problems and, yep. and serve people. It's such a great reminder for leaders of the next generation for us to go, are we in a season of tough times? Great. How are we going to leverage it? That's right. Are we in a season of good times? Great. How are we going to make sure that yeah. doesn't weaken us, right? And we're yeah. going to create some opportunities to, to build it. So great leadership lesson there. Tim, you um, have given us such great insight, and I love uh, so many of the uh, amazing um, ideas and inspiration. I hope that a lot of our listeners are going, that's why I'm leading young yeah, people yeah. too. Right. Uh, but you wanted to close, I think, with a pretty amazing story. In fact, yeah. we've collected tons of these stories. We're going to yeah. talk about that in just a minute, uh, uh, about that resource that we're working on. But I wanted you to close with another story of an amazing young leader who's doing some great stuff. Well, I'm thinking real quick just about an interview that was done after the March for Our Lives. Uh, you remember that back in 2018? I do, There was yeah. another school shooting, still another, and we were all weary of it. But the kids that were actually a part of it said, no more, mm-hmm. or at least we got to take a stand and try to slow this thing down. So in August of 2018, 20-year-old Matt Deesh and 18-year-old Emma uh, Gonzalez uh, appeared on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. So mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit of a parody on the news, but it's the news. Yeah. And Trevor was talking to these kids about what they just done. They discussed the Road to Change summer tour, which was a new thing they'd just done, which they coordinated alongside the March for Our Lives student activists. So there were hundreds of thousands of these young people all over, thanks to social media. Yeah. The word got out much more quickly than making a phone call back in 1968. Absolutely. Which I remember back in 1968. <laughs> Didn't get a lot done, actually. That's right. That's yes. right. So Trevor Noah, uh, as the interview came to a close, could see that these young people were better informed about the issues than so many immersed in policy that were politicians. Yeah. And so he said to these young interviewees, these students, he said, you know, you guys have a right to still be kids, right? And I love how young Matt responded. He said in part, I know you want us to be kids, but we have more important things to do. Mm. I love that. I get emotional just thinking about it. We have more important things. Don't make us do kid stuff. We're done. The world needs changed, and we want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I say, listener, let's get them ready to those to do those important things. Yeah. If, if we have the right perspective and we challenge them to rise to the occasion, they certainly will do. Well, Tim, thank you so much. This has been an incredible, incredible conversation. Uh, I think that your inspiration as you work with students has become an inspiration for so many other adults as they're working with students, whether it's in a classroom, at home, as a parent, on a practice field, as a coach, or a, um, a work, a worker, a boss and a, 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 who's hiring these young people. But in each of these cases, when we see this generation as they can be, that's yeah. where we get the most out of them. No doubt. And you are constantly taking us on that journey. One of the things that you've done recently is work on a new resource. Yes. 
And that's how I want to close out our time together because uh, it is actually the pre-order for this brand new resource is coming out now. People can go and pre-order it right now. And I want you to tell them just a little bit about it. We call this resource, I Can't Wait, 52 Stories of Kids Who Changed Their World that you can read together. And I want you to talk about what inspired this and um, what what is this resource going to mean for people? I don't think I could be more excited about a a book, Andrew. You and I crisscross the country and really the world telling great stories of kids. It's not the only thing we do, but a lot of that. And people say, oh, you guys are such good storytellers. How do I get a hold of these? Well, we're creating, we have created a resource to help you get a hold of these. So the book is called, as you've already mentioned, I Can't Wait. It's something we hear from kids all the time. I can't wait to get to Disney World. But we believe kids can't wait to actually change the world. Yeah. So I Can't Wait is 52 stories, one a week for a year, of kids who change their world that you can read together, read and discuss together. So Kenton is one of those stories. You got one of them. Yeah. But it's all written out. And in it is a one page of stories. And then we offer three discussion questions that you can do at mealtime or bedtime or classroom time, teachers, uh, youth group time, whatever. But do one story a week for a whole year and say, what do you think about Kenton? What do you think about Abigail? What do you think about Lucy? Remember Lucy, the yeah. made hundred blankets for people in need? Yeah. Um, so you can go to ICan'tWaitBook.com. You can talk more about that in a minute. Yeah. But my hope is to start conversations and not make kids feel guilty that they didn't already change the world. Just the opposite. Yeah. To inspire them Absolutely. to do what they should do Absolutely. to change the world. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, uh, we've already heard one story of uh, of Kenton and the amazing shoes that grow. There are so many other stories. In fact, this book is chocked full. It is thick. And Tim, you did not mention that along with the story and the really great discussion questions, you also hand drew an image, a picture of yeah. each one of these kids, which is that pretty cool. Fun. It was fun. Yeah. You put that art degree to work, That's it right. sounds like. So this is a really fun resource. It's remarkable. It's not really like anything we've ever done. It's true. But what we really believe is that we want to inspire kids to see the possibilities of what they can become and facilitate amazing conversations between adults and kids that are empowering and uplifting and growing. So as Tim mentioned, we want you to pick up this resource, whether it's for you or you want to buy a copy for other people who you think might enjoy it. All you got to do is head on over to ICan'tWaitBook.com and you're going to be able to pre-order it, find out more about the book. You're also going to get access to some uh, extra special editions, which we're really excited about. So you're going to want to go over to ICan'tWaitBook.com and find out more about this brand your resource we're I very might add, excited. The holidays are coming. I'm they, just saying. They are. If you're looking for great stocking stuffers, I'm just saying. I don't know if this thing will fit in a stocking, but you can put it next <laughs> to one, right? right. Uh, thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciate this. Thanks for starting Growing Leaders, by the way, too. It has changed my life as it has literally millions of kids and leaders. Well, thanks for leading this thing, Andrew. It's so fun to work with you. Happy to do it, man. Happy to do it. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get the podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. If you were inspired by today's conversation and you thought of someone to share it with, we invite you to do that and we would be really appreciative of that. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, maybe uh, conversations you think we should have or folks you think we should interview, we would love to hear those ideas from you. Just shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Thank you, Tim, once again. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.